Hey, it's Ben. This is the second part of our Android special, covering so many things this time. From talents that we like, careers that we like, all the way to the hacking rules. Like, we cover a lot more ground this time because we have a bit of a plan, which, well, it also kind of goes askew. But it is really fun and entertaining on account of the chemistry that we've got. I do also want to give thanks to a new patron, Leslie, and you can be like them at patreon.com slash way. Thank you, and now on to the show. I hate to be the voice of alarm, but several NAPD vehicles are approaching behind us. They are signaling for us to land and indicating a number of violations they intend to charge us with. I recommend we do not comply. We are guilty of most of them. I know. We'll lose him in the fog. I push the yoke down and we dive into the fresh smog coming from the highest bioroid factory. Going out over the bay, I hope to lose the coppers in the ground clutter of birds. I hold onto the overhead handle to keep from falling over as we swoop around. I'm starting to wish the simulant abolitionists had left me in the lab. At least then I wouldn't be motion sick. Welcome to a fast-paced tale from the Hydean Way, where your hosts, Risa D. Bing Yendel and special guest, David Pickering. Last week, we promised that there was just too much for us to do in one <laughs> episode for The Shadow of a Beanstalk. And we're back. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, I-, I got no other real way of it. Like, there's just so much in this book that it's pretty amazing. The supposed outline for tonight is careers, <laughs> talents, because there's some amazing talents in there that as a subset of careers we kind of are going to want to get into. Uh, there's the faction economy, which is something fantastical that's in it. And then what's a cyberpunk game without hacking? So it's yeah. got the new hacking rules, and we got to touch on that. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Without further ado, <laughs> careers, Genesis careers in... Android slash Shadow of the Beanstalk. Which is your favorite and why? Risa, David? You go first. <laughs> well, I mean, if you listen to the end of last episode and Ben left in all of my like ranting and raving about how much I love the runner, it's not going to be surprising. That's what I've picked. I I got into Android as a setting through the Netrunner card game, and that is my favorite card game of all time. So it should come as no surprise that I, I love the runner uh, in Android, the RPG. Now, um, yeah. <laughs> If if we're not familiar with cyberpunk settings in general, or Android specifically, Runner is basically a hacker. But in the future, hacking is much more, it's it's not just sitting at a keyboard typing. There's a whole kind of alternate reality contained within cyberspace, and people will plug their brains into it. Or they'll just use a computer to do it, but you're still interacting with that, that kind of like other world. And as we'll get to later in the show, the hacking in this game has been very well designed so runners can be anything they can be people who were motivated by greed and they just want to get what they can get out of the internet basically uh they could be activists hacktivists terrorists really criminal people or they could just be out to see what they can do for themselves in the in the net so playing as a runner you get access to like a palm stunner or a light pistol you know about Hacking computers, cool, knowledge of the net, perception, skullduggery, and streetwise. And you get, importantly, you get a pad. Well, this is actually, there's a, that's the starting gear. <laughs> I'm, I'm speaking out of turn here. Um, 
you can instead of spending credits you can take so they have like suggestions for some things that you might take if you're trying to get done quickly with a character and that's i really like that the way the way they've laid out careers they've got your skills and then they're like if you just want to make a runner and a flash here are here's a set of starting gear just like you know just like D D 5e here's a set of starting gear here's some useful talents you might want to go buy have fun with it or you could go buy your own stuff and buy your own talents yeah that that's my favorite and if i were to play this game i would definitely play a runner uh, unless someone beat me to it first. <laughs> <laughs> I like the con artist, which comes as no surprise to anyone who like knows me and what kind of characters I like to play. But just because of, I just really like the vibe, you know, of the con artist. I don't know why. When I was reading through all of it, that was the one that I was like, I would love to play it. It's specifically one of the good, like, a criminal career kind of thing. I'm, I yes. also, in Star Wars, I love playing just a smuggler scoundrel. So, yeah. or a <laughs> smuggler or, or like a, a charmer, you know? Yeah. So that's the con artist, you know? So it's like charm, coordination, deception, melee, negotiation, ranged light, skill, duggery, stealth. It's, it's a scoundrel or a charmer, yep. you know? It's great. <laughs> I love it. I love the dude they have. In the picture, oh yeah, he he's like a cyborg and he looks awesome. I I just <laughs> I just love everything about it because you can get. I just feel like as a, like a con artist, you could you could be playing multiple factions as you're doing it. Yes, and that the faction part of this really is like something that really interests me a lot. And so I would love to as a player actually like get in there and try to like play the factions against each other and as a con artist that would like i would absolutely love that and i would like to say that i like that they really get that starting gear option because it meant that when i ran my little one off for my friends that they were all able to make their characters within an hour yeah that that's a really helps because they were able to just look at that and the useful talents it helped them actually people actually used talents well, <laughs> which for a Genesis game is like people at 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 character generation taking talents. That's crazy talk. <laughs> it's just so much to read. You know, yeah. well, I don't like There's to read. That. That's why they're playing a role playing game. You have to yeah. figure out how much you're going to be putting on talents, yeah. skills, all that sort of stuff. But having these ones that are yeah, these ones kind of match your character. Having like useful talents is a huge step up for a Genesis style book. Yeah, since it's so nebulous on the triangle. And one of the one of the talents on for this one is customer service experience, and I absolutely <laughs> love that one. Yeah. So sorry, I'll talk. You know, if we don't want to talk about them, we don't have to. But I just, I love some of the names of these talents. Uh, oh, yeah. If not for the actual, like, talents. Like, we have just, like, parkour as a talent and just, like, union member as a talent. Yes. I love that. Yeah, I, okay. I love that. And I also love that the actual talent for parkour has the exclamation mark on it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's perfect. Anytime it should, unless you're doing an amazingly academic version of this. <sighs> discussions sure but if you're just talking like talents no has to have the exclamation mark because yeah. it sounds like something that a 12 year old's going to be yelling as they're <laughs> jumping up things as they're bouncing yeah. off walls and it was perfect one of my friends took a courier as their character <laughs> and when they when i first met them they were mm-hmm. super into parkour okay <laughs> as <laughs> when we were all teenagers so it's just really funny they took the parkour talent 
they never used it during the game, but it, I think it was I think it was one of those like, of course I have parkour, don't you know? <laughs> That's perfect. But Ben, what's your favorite career? Mine is actually really close to the runner. It's the roughneck. As it turns yeah. out, this is also sort of the pilot career in this. What the roughneck is is a combination of if I was looking at a Star Wars set of careers, this is a driver slash heavy slash mechanic. Yeah. And the woman that they've got as the art piece for it is amazing. I love her. She's got a cybernetic arm. She's got <laughs> this giant, I'm going to go with hydraulic wrench. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about a hydro spanner. <laughs> And she's got, like, a welding mask or something like that. She just looks the part. She looks like she just came off of a ruddy rig. Yeah. Like, that's kind of where I know Roughnecks from. I know Roughnecks. So <laughs> she looks like one. And then, like, you get athletics, gunnery, mechanics, operating, piloting, ranged heavy, resilience, and vigilance. Yeah. It's just this amazing mix to me of being able to do pretty much everything that I would be wanting to do in a career. And then them having union member. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> As one of the useful talents. Level one, union member. Okay, that's a weird roughneck, but sure. Suggested starting gear, sledgehammer. <laughs> it's flavorful. It is so flavorful in what you can get with it. And it's this rough and tumble kind of character. Yeah, they are going to mess you up if they have to. I love it. Because what I love about the Roughneck is that you could build a Roughneck in so many ways with the mm -hmm. career skills that they have. Yep. Like you could you could do a brawn and int build. Yeah. Because it has really the mechanics could. and operating. You could do a brawn and willpower. You could do brawn and, you know, you could just do willpower and int and just have the them be a cyborg, you know? Yeah, no, and absolutely. Just... That totally would work. And then, like, sort of to segue us into the talents into things, because there's a bunch of careers in here that are all really fun, but we're also wanting to cover a lot of ground. Yeah. A couple that, from the Roughneck, I want to bring up. One is the ultimate heavy talent, or at least what I'm meaning is it is called Big Guns, where... You get an extra five encumbrance, and your character reduces all cumbersome by one down to three. <gasps> Yikes. All right, I'm not just carrying everything. Oof. Yeah, they also have the possibility of using a union member, which, as got brought up, <gasps> when you take this talent, your character gains athletics, mechanics, or operator, or operating your choice as a career skill. Okay, a little bit waste for that. But in addition, once per session, your character may collect a small favor from a member of the humanity, labor, or human first, even if they do not owe your character a favor. Yep. And that just really epitomizes the union membership in this galaxy, in this world for me, is, all right, I am part of this major union. What can you get for me? Yeah. It really reminds me of, like, carpenters or electricians or something like that where it's okay i'm a second level mechanic and therefore i've got these tickets and i can get this sort of job my money is standardized across most of the jobs out there it's a standardized profession that makes sense 
Yeah. What I like about Union Member is that it's a, it's a tier one. Oh, yeah, that too. And you get all of that <laughs> as a tier one. Five like, XP. why wouldn't you take it? <laughs> like, oof. I love that. I mean, a lot of these talents seem like I would say they're a little, just like a little unbalanced. Almost. Like, almost. Like, you have, like, Desenfrancisco, <laughs> right? Yep. Tier one, when you take this talent, your character gains streetwise or survival as a career skill. In yep. addition, once per session, your character may collect a small favor from any other disenfrancisto, even if they do not owe your character a favor. You're gaining a career skill, and you're gaining that once per session you can collect a favor. I think that it, it, it does feel a little bit unbalanced, but then it, when I really think about it, I think a lot of these are meant because taking them in some ways gives you a bunch of advantages, but they also kind of stack the yeah. deck against you. Yeah. Like taking Disenfrancisco, you are suddenly. Yeah, you're disenfranchised. You, you are that. Like you are out of the system. Or if you take Trimath Contact, yeah. yes, you have contacts in the underworld, but they know you too. Yeah, that was what exactly. I did with, with Union Member. One of my <laughs> One of my players took Union Member. So one of them, they were halfway through a job. And I took this as everything was going really well. So I was like, you just got a call from Humanity Labor. <laughs> and yeah. they actually would, you know, your contact there. I mean, he wants you to bring them what what you're supposed to be bringing. Because, you know, it was it was something I can't remember what I was doing. But I was it, it was something like because of the of the union and everything. And because she was actually human and like the rest of the group wasn't. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she was natural and everyone else in the group wasn't. So it was like this this whole like <laughs> like we we you know, since we'll talk about the factions in a in a couple. Yeah. What you two say is exactly it's so much of kind of like what you were saying a bit earlier Risa is the talents in this really say a lot about your character. Almost more so than in any Star Wars game yeah. is in this especially because they're a choice that you kind of have to go out of your way for it, especially the tier twos and threes and fives, maybe the fours. Mm -hmm. Since you're having to build up, you're sort of building this entire story with the character before it starts or yeah. as it's going. It's like, okay, I'm going to spend five XP on being a World's War vet. All of a sudden, so much hooks there. Yeah. Like, sure, yeah, you can get a small favor from a current or former member of a single country's military chosen when you take the talent. Like, small thing, you know? But, or you can get resilience or ranged heavy again. That would actually be the reason why I would take it, so that you get ranged heavy and have guns. It's story hooks. Like, right there, all yeah. of a sudden, you were in the world's war. You now have so many hooks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If anything, it almost reminds me of that uh, Atrium Brody Predators movie. <laughs> on account of you've got all these people who have each of them is an amazingly uh, deadly person and fairly horrible person in their own right in this case so you've got someone who's got years on the force you've got another person with trimath contacts and you've got disenfrancisco around like we've got right there why the heck are these three together <laughs> yeah it's great you know, you know the talent I really like? It's under tier three. It's called Bad Habit. <laughs> uh, it's oh, yeah. activated, and it says your character may use this talent to become disoriented for the remainder of the encounter. Brilliant. You know, that's everyone wants <laughs> Yeah. 
But the second sentence says at the beginning of each of your characters' turns, if they're still disoriented due to this talent, they heal two strong. Oh. It's wow. really kind of a neat talent because A, story hooks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what is it? It doesn't specify what the bad habit is. No. Yeah. It could be anything. It can also be very useful. Like, yeah. you know, sometimes you're not. I mean, being disoriented doesn't take you out of the encounter. No. It just imposes difficulties on things. And if your character is strained, I mean, most of the time when I'm playing anything with the story dice system, like this Star Wars, Genesis, whatever, people are strained constantly because the GM is throwing strain at them. They're taking strain to do stuff. But, you know, maybe this guy like chews his fingernails and it distracts him or he, you know, he has some kind of substance that he likes to partake of or something. But whatever it does, it causes him to become disoriented, but it heals his strain back. So... Some characters could absolutely use this. Yeah, especially for low willpower characters because it makes oh, sense. Yeah. Yes. Because it makes really a lot of narrative sense for a low willpower character to have a bad habit and then they need it because they're going to have that low strain threshold. I want to see a Bioroid character take a bad habit and just figure <laughs> out what that looks like. As I'm looking through here into the tier three, tier fours, because, well, they've got one in here called Hard Boiled. I just, I love the name. <laughs> The names in here yes. are just amazing, but, oh, geez, and then there's elementary, which is, you get a place you're lucky. <laughs> but right next to it is the thing in there on Animal Companions, which is from the Genesis Core. And it's like, yes, yes, you can have an Animal Companion in this. It may be an actual animal, but it also could be a robot of some sort. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, if you really want to open up the the Pandora's box, you can let your players take you owe me one <laughs> once per session. Spend two story points to have the NPC an NPC in the current encounter suddenly owe your character a favor. If it is not resolved by the end of the encounter, it's forgotten. Mm. Yep. Nice. I, yeah. yeah, yeah. That would be perfect for a con artist. I'm sorry. Exactly. It'd be oh, yeah. great. You just walk right in. I'm going through all of these, and I'm like, ah, oh, I wish I could find someone to run this for me instead of me being the GM. Because <laughs> I just can't. I'm like, this con artist clone character I have building in my brain with customer service. You owe me one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, hmm. We'll talk after the episode. Um, <laughs> as in, I look I, at you owe me one improved. <laughs> yeah. I also like that there's literally one called Ghost in the Machine. Yeah. Yes. I, you know, just naming wise. Well, it's a very powerful talent, too. It's a really good talent. Like, yeah. It literally gives the example of shutting off somebody's cybernetic eyeballs. Yes. The tier five ones that they have are all definitely tier five, I have to say. <laughs> yeah, you're spending 25 XP, though some would say you're spending like in the neighborhood of 100 Yeah, just really. to get them, yeah. but these are worth it. Oh, geez. They really are. Like, Master Plan is also just disturbing. I, I have to call out Trick of the Light because, A, that's a reference to one of the cards oh, that was okay. popular in the competitive meta, but B, because one of the NPC antagonists in the scenario that I yep. ran had Trick of the Light, <gasps> and it triggered on the first time he fired his gun. Oh, man. And it scared the pants off of my players because he critical hit two players, or he hit one player with a critical hit, and then inflicted a ton of damage on the other one because he bounced a laser beam off of some guy's cybernetic leg <laughs> into another player. And they were like, instantly, like, that guy, get that guy. Yeah. <laughs> There are five tier five talents in here, and each one is just, oh my word. <laughs> Basically, what we're saying is the talents are actually worth buying talents at character creation. 
Very much. Well, especially so. since you've got the ability to go in on on them and yeah. have an idea of which one this is so much synergistic with your character stuff. Exactly. I think I think that was really helpful because I think yes. with like the base game, they didn't do anything like that and it really made it so that none of my players knew what to do when confronted with an empty pyramid. Right, because they're just like, I don't want to spend like 10 minutes reading through yeah. all of the talents to get some idea of what exactly. I want when I really want to be playing the yeah. game. Yeah, whereas this time I actually had, I, I mean, I still had like two players go, I want to spend all of my XP on skills, all of them. And I was like, okay, you do you. I get it. I absolutely get it. But I had like two or three of them actually going hard on, <laughs> on talents. And I love that because it meant I got to do things with their talents and like give them setback that they could take away. And, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Or up the difficulty that they could then downgrade and stuff like that not downgrade but decrease you know words we've been talking about favors a little bit earlier and now we're sort of getting into the faction favor economy end of things and yeah when i saw this book coming out one of the things that a couple of the developers or developer adjacent people were really crowing about from ffg was this thing and it looks it really depends on how much you're looking at it like from a really conceptual thing, this looks like a really minor thing. <laughs> it's really not, though. <laughs> if you're treating this like a minor thing, you're missing the point. Yeah. I had a player in my game pretty much betray the entire party because of the favor economy. I believe it. They, they, her, they let her stick around <laughs> because they could sympathize with what she did. But she basically sold out the entire party during an intense combat encounter <laughs> and gave something that they wanted to give to one group to a very different group because of the favorite. <gasps> Ooh. Amazing. And nobody saw it coming. There were jaws all over my floor. Oh, I love it. It's perfect. That is just perfect. Uh, how I was explaining it to my friends is like, there is that. I mean, there are, there's money in this world. There's yeah. credits. There's still credits and credits exist. However, yeah. the world runs on favors. Like, really, the world runs more on favors. It runs on people doing things for other people more than anything else. I mean, unless you're Aristi. Yeah, but none of my players were ever going to play as Aristi. <laughs> none of them. Exactly. So everyone's sort of doing this as like a hobby or something like that. Like, that's what Why your character is. Why would you is. want to be rich and powerful when you could be powerless and poor? Exactly. Um, but it also means you don't have the ties. Exactly. Yeah. You don't, you don't have, you know, the nine to five. You don't have all of the complications that come with any kind of wealth in this game. <laughs> and yeah. there are definitely ties to the wealth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The world truly resolves on the favors that yeah. are owed and what you can collect. Yeah. What you can transfer. So you can start the game off with favors, just like in, in uh, Star Wars, you can do with obligation, where you yep. can take obligation to be able to have extra XP or credits at the beginning. You can do the same thing with a favor. Mm -hmm. So I had a couple players take favors as a way to pay off Gmods or, <laughs> or <laughs> well, cybernetics fair. that they couldn't pay for the rest of the way. They were like, I really want this cybernetic. And I was like, okay. Can you afford it? And they were like, can I take a favor with the, the Yakuza? <laughs> and I was like, you know, <laughs> I mean, up to you. I'll use it. <laughs> my dream character that I want to create for this game is a clone runner. 
who owes a big favor to somebody so that they have a skull jack, <laughs> which is a cybernetic brain implant that lets them hack from their brain. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and a big favor is basically worth a 1500 credit payout or 20 starting XP at the yeah. beginning. So I would probably just have to take that all those credits, but that is a big deal favor. That's like, I mean, exactly what you were talking about. That's like the Yakuza were the ones that chopped and gave you this cyber brain. They did the chop shot for you. Yeah. And now you owe them because they expect you to use it for them. Yeah. And suddenly you've gone from escaped clone to escaped clone Yakuza hacker. Yeah. And that's <laughs> why everyone in my campaign was having to do a job for the Yakuza. <laughs> now, if you're familiar with the Star Wars credit line, the 1500 sounds pretty low until you start looking at the actual equipment section and 1500 will mm -hmm. get you almost anything you want. Yeah. Say you're wanting to be a glass cannon, you can get a maser. <laughs> and you'll still have a little bit left over for, I don't know, clothes. Like, please wear some. Durable <laughs> clothing. 1500 in this economy actually will get you a fair amount of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. In this system, you really have to sort of rebalance. Okay, in this system, that's what that's worth. A lot. Pretty much. 1500 credits... Or 20 XP gets a big favor owed. Well, what is a big favor? It's it's intentionally <laughs> left a little bit vague, but it's given you're given yeah. some guidelines for kind of... I mean, that's sort of the magnitude of the favor. Like, a, a big favor is something you're not going to get rid of quickly or easily or uh, discharge without significant yeah. cost to you and your party. Yeah, and... <laughs> And there's um, different there's different things that different uh, factions would want with favors as well. Mm -hmm. And there's different things that because you can ask like you can be you can go to a faction and ask them for a favor. And there's some guidelines on what those favors can get you with specific factions. Yep. Yeah. And it's different for each faction. And some of them are really wonderfully unique. Yeah. Yeah, and I really like the the fact that they not only were they were like, oh, there's a there's a you know economy we can create with these favors, but they went through the the trouble of detailing a bunch of different factions you might owe favors to, and then giving you some ideas. And if you were listening last week when I was talking about how mean Jinteki can be, <laughs> some of the favors that you might owe to Jinteki can provide some pretty interesting consequences for <laughs> <Yeah>. you. <laughs> But some of the things you can get from Jinteki are pretty Oh, yeah, cool. you can get a full clone. Uh, if super, super immoral. Yeah, yeah you, can, you, you can, can get, get a, a custom clone. clone. You can get your own person for yeah, a big favor. A, a person, an entire person, which, oh, boy, that, the moral. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. But to be fair, has Bioroid, you can also get a Bioroid yeah. for a big favor. Exactly. It, yeah. And, yeah. Big favors are, like, huge things. For regular favors, that's, like, what I had all my players do was a regular favor for Jinteki. <laughs> I had them all go and do corporate espionage, basically. And that was a regular yeah, favor. I can see that. That's They weren't supposed like, to kill anyone, so it's just a regular favor. Exactly. And you are supposed to be accumulating and, and getting rid of a lot of favors. Yeah. Yes. That's back and forth, back and forth. And it's not just organizations, too. It's yes. people. So you can owe a small favor to your neighbor who, you know, caught your cat as it was escaping your apartment. Yeah. And yeah. Back I owe something. you one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's it's like little things. Like, hey, you remember that one time I caught your cat? Can you take my car? 
over to the shop and drop it off for me. Something like that. That's yeah. the whole thing. Big favors might be this person helped me escape my clone owners. Yeah. yeah. And now they're the reason I can live free. You're supposed to be using them back and forth. You can even use them to get equipment. Like it's like, you know, we don't have any money, but we really need a, a pad right now. Some kind of runner equipment mm -hmm. or something so we can make a hack. Maybe because of another favor that you've yeah. accrued. Um, so you you swap a favor with some junk dealer who gives you a pad, but you have to find some rare piece of junk for him while you're doing this. And it just becomes this whole mess and web that everyone's tied into. And it's glorious. <laughs> it really is. In some ways, it reminds me of the whole, I don't know, poem, sing-songy thing. I don't know. Of for one of a nail, a war was lost. Like, And just mm -hmm. going through the little favors, little things that just are build up and build up and build up and build up. And then by the end of it, you're assaulting a network node because <laughs> you're needing to get this guy's vet bill squared. <laughs> like, and just yeah. sort of going through the whole web of, well, okay, so I got, I went to the vet and, well, okay, they owed a bit more and it's like in the regular favor thing. But, okay, so this vet's needing a bunch of medicine. So I got get this off of Jinteki. Well, Jinteki's needing this. And then from that, I can use NBN to scan my way into getting this. And it just grows yeah. and grows. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll give an example from when we played this. Because, um, again, we played a pre-generated, like, not a pre-generated, but a, a pre-written adventure you can download from FFG's website called An Eye of a Town. And the, the crux of that, without spoiling the whole adventure, is... The players get a MacGuffin, they get a thing, and lots of different people want that thing. And generally, there's more to it, but they have to decide who they're going to give it to and deal with the consequences of trying to give it to that group. Almost everyone in the sample characters pack that's also available that we were using owes something to one of these three yep. groups. So all of a sudden, as we're playing, all of these groups are specifically targeting out party <laughs> members and being like, you get me this thing or we're going to kill you. Or, you know, I will erase your debt if you get me this thing. And so not only was the party like, not only do you have to deal with like, oh, well, as a party, we're obligated to do this. It's like, no, <laughs> these are mutually exclusive options. Like either Aditi gets her debt wiped out or forgetting his name, uh, Tam, I think, uh, dies. <laughs> you know, you have to figure out what you're going to yeah. do. <laughs> and the players in my group really weaned into the fact that they don't all know each other very well. Like they, they detail in the character sheets how you know each other and your, your ties to each other are generally one or two people in the group. So it creates so much interesting inter-party relationships when you have to deal with everybody owing different people. <laughs> That's the amazing part about the whole favor economy and having competing favors. Mm -hmm. It makes it so that the world's a lot more alive. Right. It goes back to sort of a more pure form of obligation. If we're going back to the Star Wars stuff, mm -hmm. like it's so much of, okay, well, I now owe these people for that. Yeah. And I'm trying to square that away so that I'm robbing Peter to pay Paul. Yeah. And just keep on doing that because you're never really going to get ahead or you're working your way to getting that one big score. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and we all know how that always goes. Usually everyone except one dies and one person walks away from the explosion. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Preferably with uh, mirror shades. Yeah, totally. <laughs> That's favors. Um, favors, favors are great. Are great. Yeah. There are a lot of factions. And what's really cool is you can kind of separate them. There's like corporations. There's underworld people who have connections to corporations. 
uh, there are there's the government, and then you have <laughs> unions, yeah, and then you have. And I I love that one of the unions has big favor legal representation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love it. <laughs> That's you might need that given what the players frequently. I mean, oh, honestly. Yeah. Um. Well, and and that really ties into the whole one of the things we, we've referenced in the first episode, but I don't think we talked about it, is the the fact that in the setting there is a huge problem with with getting yeah. a job because all these bioroids, all these clones, they're taking jobs left and right because companies yeah. are buying them. It's like, oh, well, I paid this one time fee, or even the upgrade, you know, the updates are are cheaper than paying for a real human yeah. employee. So all of these people, especially in low skill jobs, or not low skill jobs, but more like manual jobs, jobs that don't require like sophisticated mental processes that you they haven't quite figured out on all of the robots and the, the clones, but they're even getting to those jobs. <laughs> These people are out of a job and they're out of luck and they're turning to groups that are like humanity labor and humanity first. Uh, there's actually a group that just goes around with sledgehammers breaking bioroids. Yeah. And they're not arrested because, or they are arrested, but they're not jailed that long because all they're doing, according to the government, is Yeah, property it's damage. property destruction and stuff. Because mm-hmm. then you get the thing where pretty much all of the activist groups and stuff, it's all speci- the unions are are specifically just human first stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you it, the simulant abolitionist movement are the people who believe clones deserve full human rights. And so they're the ones trying to outlaw clones being sold. Mm-hmm. Right. So that one's a very interesting one as well. So it's just, it's very interesting. And then you have on the other side of it, another activist group is the La Brigada Tricolor. Sorry, Tricolor, <laughs> which is the people who are trying to, which <laughs> I'm not a fan of how they chose to name this. I feel like it's in poor taste. That they say the early revisionist activist group, sometimes called the ERAs, that's poorly named in my opinion, since it's so close to IRA. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which, when said to my English boyfriend, was like, oh, that's poor taste, since he lived through, you know, part of his childhood was during the, the that period. So it's not, not a great name, kind of in poor taste, but... They, they're the ones pushing for the end of the Quito Accord, so to push America out of New Angeles. Yeah. It's also a semi-similar mentality behind it. Like I, I and- understand, but they shouldn't have named it that. <laughs> uh, yeah, that I'm not arguing. Like, that's the reason why I like the tricolor as opposed to the yeah. ERA. I mean, it's, it's still... Yeah, I mean, that just references something from, I think, the Napoleonic era, where I don't think anyone's getting offended yeah. by that. I mean, well, it's, yeah, it's, it's still the... Uh, like, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm totally with you on that. Yeah. But I think it's a very interesting part of it because it's like, it's a very interesting part of the fact that this is still the U.S. is <laughs> leasing this land. Yeah. And it's like people would like them to leave. <laughs> And I would like, that is the most, that's almost British understatement there. That's a nice way of saying it. (laughs) Well, we'll say that the people who live there who are, you know, the the average citizens tend to want that. I think there's some hints in here that a lot of the big companies that like the stability that comes with United States control are pushing pretty hard to keep it. Yeah, it's pretty clear that the corporations, the the corporations are the ones who are pushing for, like, keeping the lease. (laughs) 
So, mm-hmm. which is really fun dynamics that you can play with exactly. in a campaign. <laughs> like, talk about your punk situation. You've yeah. got such a different class structure within this. You've got the Ristis, you've got the corpse, and then you've got the people. Yeah. And as they're using more and more clones, just from a labor standpoint, let alone the whole philosophical, metaphysical end, you just have a lot of people out of work. Yeah. Yeah. And when you don't even just have the people as like a group, you've got the disenfrancistos who are people who are like completely out and poor and living, you know, disconnected from the net and all of that. But even like the middle class, like the people who are kind of normal, (laughs) like this is the average level of income. These are people who live and work in the same building. Their rent is entirely tied to their yeah. employment status. You know, you get fired, you have like a week to get out of your house. Yeah. <laughs> and they talk about a lot of the people who are disenfranciscos are disenfranciscos because they got fired and they couldn't find a job before yeah. they lost their house. Yeah. And then because they don't have a place that a reference can go back to, then it just snowballs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oof, too close to real life. <laughs> yeah. It's very easy to fall off the wheel of privilege yeah, in this setting. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's cyberpunk. Yep. Before we're done, we got to talk about the, the skills. <laughs> Specifically, yeah, the hacking, hacking skills. skills. Yeah, we kind of got to jump to hacking <laughs> if we're going to get into this episode and not do another yeah. one. Yeah, so. we got to do it. <laughs> well, for me, hacking is one of my favorite things that they've written in here. If you are at all familiar with the Netrunner card game, it will feel familiar, but it is not exactly the same. They have tweaked it so that it works much better in an RPG. But the general idea is that when you are hacking into something, there are certain systems and servers that you're trying to get into. And these systems and nodes you will access with maneuvers as you're hacking. And they can be protected by software programs called ICE which are, it's like short for like intrusion countermeasure or something. But basically they have programs and these programs are different pieces of equipment you can buy. And there's like different mm-hmm. ones of them. And if you're hacking into a system, you'll use the hacking skill and you're trying to break past ICE programs and get at the good stuff, whether that's controlling a camera, opening a door, learning about something. There's all sorts of ideas. And you move around the system, going to these different nodes, trying to do stuff. And it's kind of its own separate encounter sort of structure. But you can also defend a computer. And you'll want to do this even if you're not working for a company because you'll want to protect your own computer, especially if you're a runner. But you'll use a new skill called SysOp, which stands for like systems operator. And that's sort of like defensive hacking, but it's not just reactive. And I think that's that's one of the the genius bits of this is that you're not just like, oh, well, I'm going to make it harder for them to break in. The goal of the sysop is to either like kick them out of the system by tracking down where they are in the system and shutting it down, or to find out where they are in real life and shutting the system down by shutting down the person hacking. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, is that this works so well in structured time as well, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which means hacking is no longer its own separate thing where you take the player off to another room and everyone else plays Monopoly. <laughs> yeah. No, I ran a hacking inv- encounter and a regular encounter at the same time. Like someone was hacking into a a computer in an office building and the rest of the party was trying to deal with some guards who were patrolling without alerting them and you just do it in narrative or you just do it in a structured time like when it's the hacker's turn hacking continues um the other thing that sysops does that sysops does is it creates programs Mm -hmm. so you can create ice it also does things to like backtrace things and repair damaged things yes it's like 
where hacking is destructive, sysops is constructive. Yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. Anytime you want to <laughs> break yeah. into something, you want to destroy some like evidence or something like that. Anytime you want to do something like that, it's going to be hacking. But anytime you want to try to fix a program, like say someone trashed a hard drive and you're trying to get into it, you're gonna ha- you'd have to use sysops to try to do that. Or mm-hmm. if you're trying to create a program to keep people out, or if you're trying to do something like creating, that's when you're gonna use sysops. And I think that's the yeah. That's why it had to get broken up into two skills. Yes. And mm-hmm. then for me, that's how I was setting a hacking difficulty, is having it set against if mm-hmm. the other person's sysops skill. Yeah, I can see that. Yes. Because they're, like, directly, like, opposite each other. Yeah, as soon as a defensive, a sysop shows up, that's when the duel starts. Yeah. Yeah, because you can hack into a system, and until a sysop shows up, you're basically yeah. just attacking static ice barriers. Like, it, it, given enough time, you'll probably get through as long as mm. you yeah. can come in unprepared. But if you do enough wrong, <laughs> or have bad luck, or the GM yeah. spends a story point, then you have the classic, like, cyberpunk, like, hacker duel, where it's like, oh, I'm outsmarting you, like, I, I see yeah. where he is in the system, and lots of tapping of fingers, and adjusting of glasses, <laughs> and all of that. Yeah, pretty much. My favorite thing about the sysop is you literally can, with the sysop skill, locate the physical location of the person accessing your systems. And there is nothing scarier to a group of players <laughs> who have decided, oh, we're going to do a hack. We're going to sit in our apartment where we're safe <laughs> and we're going to hack in with our, our runner who's going to like plug into the computer. And all of a sudden the windows start breaking yeah. in and the SWAT team is yep. like busting in the windows. They're there to kill you because you're hacking into Jinteki's systems. And that was a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, and you rolled a despair or you rolled yes. a sufficient threat. And they can also remotely yeah. trash your computer. And it's really bad if that computer is your brain. Yes. Yeah. Or you like have a spinal modem or something. Yeah, exactly. If you have a skulljack or a spinal modem, yeah. you can take physical damage from screwing up at hacking when the sysop starts throwing electricity through every neuron in your brain. Isn't yeah. that amazing? I love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But yeah, if, I mean, if you've played the card game, a lot of these things are very similar, but they've tweaked it to make it work in an RPG. And so it has that very, like, familiar feeling. But if you've never played the card game, you'll never know and never care, and it won't interrupt yeah. your play. That being said, if you've never played the card game, it still feels like a pretty cool duel mechanic, mm-hmm. which is something that I know the FFG sort of worked at, and this is a pretty good iteration of it. Way back forever ago, Ben and I did like the hacking tale or something. We we're talking about hacking in Star Wars. And I was pulling so many ideas from this setting, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. you know, hoping one day they'd make this. But one of the things I remember we we talked about was what do you do when, when somebody gets on and starts yeah, hacking yeah. against you? And I think they've brilliantly broken that oh, out yeah. better than we did in that episode. But they've brilliantly come up with a way of making it seem exciting and tense and not just making it a bunch of opposed hacking checks. With it not being just purely opposed where there's so much other things going on with it, it turns into a really fun type of encounter. Mm -hmm. Plus then you've got stuff for everyone else to do because, okay, the sysop has shown up. What can we do? Do we then start having other people bomb in on this hack to try and disguise that it's not just one person, it's a bunch of people? (laughs) DDoS. (laughs) Well, yeah, like that. So, yeah, run a DDoS, though. What I was actually thinking was the final scene in Hackers. 
Well, yeah, I mean, if the if the sysop doesn't, because the sysop doesn't necessarily know how many people are in the system. Exactly. Yeah. One of the things they're actually getting by passing checks is learning yeah. more about who's getting into the system, and they can start putting traces and tags on them to try and learn learn more about them. But suddenly, if you throw three or four more people in, if the whole party is hacking, even if they're not particularly good hackers, that means they're probably the ones getting tagged and not the good runner who's getting in where they're supposed to be. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. One thing that I don't think they specifically break out in this, but that I will totally do when I play this game, is there are there was a way in the card game um, where you could play cards that would actually like fine people for, for breaking into systems if they knew where you were. So I would absolutely have a sysop who's just like, all right, you broke into my file. I'm just going to deduct 500 credits from your account. <laughs> there are ice that is just you can pay to get mm-hmm. yeah. buy it. And there's a few other things like, yeah, and it totally makes sense. It's like, okay, yeah, you've left your PayPal exposed. And now (laughs) you're getting dinged. Well, the other thing, and this is, again, I keep coming back to the card game, but if you actually have a bunch of the cards from the card game, you could pretty easily <laughs> take the ice and the and the ice breakers from the card game and port them into this fairly easily. Like, you could yeah, make it work It wouldn't fast. be silly hard, especially since they've got ideas already. Yeah, like, they have really good ways of making your own ice, and if you just take the idea or the concept of what a piece of ice does from the card game and, and work with the system in here. You could take anything and, and make it into something for the RPG pretty fast. As much as I'd like to get into a bit of the cybernetics and gene mods, <laughs> because that is a whole thing onto itself, and the system and the world takes a very interesting take on cybernetics and gene mods. I know we covered it in the last episode a little bit, but I think that we'll be coming back to it. Honestly... <laughs> I know at some point we're going to be doing another one of these episodes. Yeah. There's just so much here. There's just so much there. (laughs) It's amazing. I guess my final bit, Shadow of the Beanstalk for the moment, is after reading a few of the reviews, after reading the book, there's an entire section in there that goes through each of the 13 districts and calls out things. I honestly, going into it, I got a little bit confused and... By the nature of it, it, unless you sit down and read it straight through, it's really easy to get distracted. But it is, with those caveats, every single paragraph in it has at least one story hook. Which is the reason why I got distracted. Is <laughs> Okay, there's the bar across from Blue Sun Stadium. There's like three different story hooks in that single paragraph. And as you're going through these different places, there's just so much information. It doesn't have as much structure to it, as as much fluff around it. It's a lot more just naked story Mm -hmm. hooks. But because of that, it feels more dense than almost any other role-playing book I have seen. Like, if you're just looking at the talents and skills and that sort of stuff and the hacking, this book could have been half the size. On the other hand, the amount of stuff that they put in there and just in here is so thick with ideas that it makes it so worthwhile. If you want to run Android, sure, you could create whatever you want in Genesis. This book makes it so much yeah, easier. Really. And it has mini giraffes. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't included a mini giraffe, you've played wrong. <laughs> uh, close, yes. All right, Risa, David, final thoughts on Shadow of the Beanstalk for the moment. Just reiterating what you said, though, just going through this book, just everything gave me ideas. Like, as a player and as a GM, 
everything was making me just like, I was constantly having ideas on what I wanted to do when I was reading the book. And I think that's a sign of a good book. It's a good mm-hmm. sign of a real, that's, that, that really helps because it made me really excited mm-hmm. to run things. And it got my uh, players really excited <laughs> to run <laughs> just everything I was telling them and everything I was showing them. <laughs> they got yeah. so excited. Uh, I mean, it's it's easy for them to get excited about cyberpunk, especially since this is like you know better than what else, what like video games and stuff are coming out. So they're like starved <laughs> for good cyberpunk content right now. Uh, <laughs> it's inspiring, like creatively. <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll add on and just say I we I'm in my group. I I got the book. I read the book. I was basically live tweeting the book to the people in my group being like, this is amazing. This is amazing. We have to do this. <laughs> and they, we played it and uh, it took us two sessions to play through the first little adventure that we did. But we, like I said before, it was within like 10 minutes, 20 minutes, everybody was meshing really well. The setting makes sense without being too dense, but it's also not one that, you know, the players don't have any touchstones. Um, you don't have to be an excer- expert in Android to get how to play in Android. Um, and you're not going to like break rules by referring to things by the wrong names. Like you, you make do quickly and the skills are intuitive. The gameplay is, is smooth and it's just a lot of fun. Like it, it's cyberpunk without shying away from all of the cyberpunk aspects of it. And it's also cyberpunk without <laughs> some of the pretension that little sometimes gets laid onto cyberpunk. I'm I'm looking at the Blade Runners that I watched for like six hours and basically it was just people talking for hours with some cool backgrounds. But <laughs> uh, my wife, side note, watched me watch Blade Runner 2 on an airplane and she was like, or not 2, but whatever, 20 whatever, a sequel with, yeah, with Gosling, which was a fun movie to watch. But she watched it and she was basically like, is this movie just Ryan Gosling goes to dark rooms and talks to people? And I was like, kind of? <laughs> well, yeah. The, the, uh, that the is first a description one was pretty much it? Harrison Ford goes to dark rooms and talks to people. Yeah. It was a disturbingly good Westwood <laughs> game. <laughs> um, but yeah, the it's a great setting, great rules to make that setting come to life. Theming and mechanics work very well together in this book. I highly recommend it. And if you're looking for a quick way to get into it, you can go to FFG's website, grab some pregens, grab some introductory scenarios. They're free. They're easy to download PDFs. And they're well-written, so you can play without having to do literally any prep work other than just read it so you know what you're doing. Okay, you two, get over here. Here's your ticket, and here's your packing slip. These should get you to my cabin on the beanstalk. Just think, in a couple of hours, we'll be at the transfer planetoid and ready to go to Heinlein. I have always wanted to see the stars from orbit, and now... Thanks to your plan, I will enjoy knowing that they are visible just outside the luggage compartment I will occupy. Thank you. Well, here's to hopefully starting anew up there. No more favors now that we've wiped them clean. I hope we can keep it that way for at least a couple of hours. Join us next time on an out-of-this-world tale from the Hydean Way. We can be found on Twitter, at the Hydean Way, and I can be found at KookieKit. I'm at aka Agent Shades. And I'm at Deuterium Ice. We are at theheidianway.com, where you can find previous episodes, links to things we talk about on the show, and our live play podcast, Heroes of the Heidian Way. You can find more episodes on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Plus, you can help us out by rating, reviewing, and subscribing. Drops a holocom at tales at theheidianway.com.
You can also find us on Facebook as Tales from the Hydean Way. If you like what we do and want to support the show, you can find us at patreon.com slash the Hydean Way. Or you can buy us a coffee at ko-fi.com slash the Hydean Way.